Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, this year where we talk about the Parsha of the week or the Yom Tov of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Of course, this week is the start of the wonderful, beautiful holiday of Pesach, of Passover, where we commemorate the idea that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, took us out of Egypt, took us out of slavery, and brought us to freedom and liberated us and made us into a nation. Actually, when I was in Yeshiva in Rashid for two years in Israel, Rav Ari Marcus actually explained to us how Hashem took us out not just from physical slavery, but took us out from different aspects of slavery. And that could be why we commemorate the four Lashonios of Geula, the Hotseisi, the Hitzalti, the Gaalti, the different Lashonos. And of course, there's the extra Lashon that we think about for Eliyahu Hanavi as well. But the actual four ones is that Hashem took us out of physical slavery, took us out of being physically involved in the slavery itself. Hashem took us out of psychological slavery, how we were we were slaves to someone else and we became our own free people. He took us out of economic slavery where we were dependent on the Egyptians for our bread, for our livelihood. He took us out of political enslavement where we didn't have our own nationhood. He took us out of every single every single type of slavery to every single type of level. Made us our own nation with our own people, with our own life, our own ability to serve Hashem and not be slaves to anything, but to make sure that we are, that we are really free that we are not slaves to anything around us, that we are not held down to anything around us. Are we slaves to our job? Are we slaves to society? Are we slaves to the running to get the next car, the next house, and the next item? A person who is really free is really an Eved Hashem. He is not tied down to anything, whether it be his materialism or whether the ideas of what secular society tells him. The truly free person is the Eved Hashem. And that's why the highest compliment that was given to Moshe after 120 years of life serving the Jews for 40 years was an Eved Hashem. He was an Anav Mikol Adam. He was the truly most humble person, but the best description, the best thing given to him was to be the Eved Hashem, but to be a servant of Hashem. So as we come to Pesach, we think about the idea that we were liberated on many levels. We were made into a nation. We were taken out of physical slavery, out of psychological slavery, out of emotional slavery, where we were basically torn down and, and worn down. We couldn't even have a life. We got home, we were exhausted, and we couldn't even have a functional existence. Hashem took us out of that on many aspects, on many levels, to make sure that we truly were free on many different levels. When we sit at our Seder and we lean across we could feel like true malachim, true kings, in the sense that we really are able to serve Hashem around the world in much, much better aspects than many times in history, especially when we had Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Think about what it really means to be free. A free person, a true person, is the one that's really involved in Hashem. There's no real chayrus except for being involved in the mitzvahs and the Torah and a chesed lifestyle. I feel more free than so many people out there that don't have the quote-unquote command in their life. And of course, even in non-Jewish society, there are the seven commandments to be involved in, the Noahide laws. We've talked about this before on the Parsha show and the other shows on the Tani Talks podcast. But of course, not to kill and not to do idolatry, not to be involved in immorality, and, and to set up the justice system and the governments and to have the proper laws, things like that. But a really true person, a truly free person, a true person that Simchat is involved in serving Hashem, I cannot tell you 
how well and how good I feel when I'm able to be involved in real endeavors, real mitzvahs endeavors, real chesed endeavors throughout my days, whether it be in our own house, we have the free lending library, we give out books in the community, like a library of only Jewish novels, only Jewish books for kids and adults alike. I myself love, love, love reading, love Jewish novels. I just finished an amazing book by Libby Nozunik. I'm in the middle of a book by Del Haller. I try to read a book every Shabbos and Yom Tov. I love it. My highlight of my entire week you know, after going through the daf and the parsha of the day is on Friday night, on Yom Tov night, after the candles are lit and the kids are sleeping and my wife and I could sit down and have a wonderful Jewish book with great themes and really get involved in the book and lost in the book while still being involved in Jewish ideals. A truly free person can really be involved in the Jewish way, the Jewish lifestyle, the Jewish aspect. And on Pesach, do we really understand and recognize and appreciate that we're really the only free people on earth? People are slaves to their jobs. People are slaves slaves to society. People are slaves to social media. A person who is truly free is not scrolling endlessly for hours, wasting their time, wasting their days. A truly free person is not wasting their time taking selfies for 45 years straight. A truly free person knows how to be involved in the right aspects and knows what to do. That truly free person is not involved in the right aspects, but we are. There's a famous phrase, Ohev Kesef Lo Yisba Kesef, someone who pursues money, pursues salary, pursues the materialism in life, will never be satiated, will never be satisfied with that money, will never be, will be, never be content with that, with that money. You want a hundred grand, then you're going to want two hundred grand. You want a million, then you're going to want two million. You're never going to be satisfied with that money because you never can be satisfied with that money. Perkevas teaches us the antidote. Who's really a free person? Who's really a rich person? Benzoma tells us in Dalit Aleph. Ezehu Ashir, who is that really rich person? Hasameach Bechelko, the person who really is content with his lot, really is happy with his lot. That's why you get of a person who has a tiny apartment with a ton of kids hanging off the chandelier, and he's so much more happy, so much more content than the person that has a 16-acre house with 17 bedrooms, four showrooms, seven diners, and three kitchens, because it's not about the materialism. It's not about chasing that materialism. The truly free person, the truly happy person is the one really involved in the Torah lifestyle, in a mitzvah lifestyle. That's why I hear from my coworkers, one of my coworkers, not a Jewish person, was a lawyer in a previous lifetime, in a previous job time, in his own life actually. And he talked about crazy, crazy hours, leaving the house at seven, staying in the office till 10, never seeing his wife and kids. That's not a real person. That's a slave to the job. That's a slave to the salary. That's a slave to the aspect of of being involved in the work. And it's not just lawyers. There are doctors who leave at 7 in the morning or even earlier from their house don't come home till 7, 8, 9, 10. I know accountants, especially during tax season, they leave at 7 in the morning. They don't come home till 10, 11. What kind of a life is that? What kind of a lifestyle is that? Are we slaves to our jobs or do we make sure that our jobs work for us? Do we work to live or do we live to work? I'm all for having a great placement, having a great job and being happy with the job is great too. But you have to have it that it's broken down. I leave the house at around 7 and I try to come home by 4. The I work for the Board of Ed. The job is usually around 6-7 hours including working time, usually 9 hours to get there and back. 
So at least not my whole day, but to have a job where the whole day is gone. Even a nine-to-five job is tough because you have to leave at eight or seven and you get home at six or seven. That's a very tough job. Thank God we have very good hours here working for the city. But how do we work? How do we live? How do we think about ourselves? Are we truly free or are we not? As we come to the holiday of Chayrut, Zaman Chayrutena, we say, the holiday, the time of our freedom, do we think about in our life if we are really free or are we slaves to everything around us? Then we say there's no more idol worship nowadays, but that's not actually very true because there are commentators and, and excuse me, commentators and authors who talk about how idol worship is around. Yes, you might not be worshiping the Asherah tree or the Molech, God forbid, but there is worship of money. There is worship of improper values or corrupt values or corrupt ideas, worshiping entertainers, worshiping musicians. Do they deserve your worship? Do they deserve such admiration? We have a whole lecture on this. Who are real role models anyway on the Tani Talks Life? We talk about this for over an hour talking about what a real role model is, what a real hero is. And you want to be free from such ideals. Don't worship those things. The only thing that should be worshipped is Hashem. The only real role models that we should have should be from Jewish life, from the Tanakh, or people that really made it, who are really good people. You like Joe Linebacker, but really in life he stole $10 million. You like Joe Schmo from Hollywood, but in real life he's a cannabis user all day and can't have one coherent thought in his life. You really like Johnny Schmani who is an actor but literally sold his own family away for paparazzi. These are not real role models. This is not a free-thinking lifestyle. This is not a proper type of lifestyle. We come to Pesach. We have to think what real freedom means, what Zaman Chayrutina really means. If we focus on how everything really is contained in the Torah, everything is really contained in our lifestyle, if we would just grab it, if we would just hold on to it, and we would practice it properly, being involved in a Torah lifestyle, there's no greater freedom than that. Being involved in a mitzvah lifestyle, a chesed lifestyle, there's no greater feeling than that. There's no greater good you could feel that warms your bones, warms your heart, warms your body than being involved in wonderful things. True freedom is thinking about what it really means to be a free person, to be able to really be on, on be looking at yourself and saying that my life really feels like a free life. I'm not shackled down to social media. I'm not shackled down to my job or to money. I'm not shackled down to a McMansion or seven cars. I know it's important in life. I know it's fundamental in life, sitting at the table with my wife and kids, even if it's a small house, even if it's an apartment, even if it's whatever. Because in this life, it's not about how big your house is, not how big, it, not about how many cars you have. After 120 years, none of that will come for, for you. We just talked about that in Perkeyavos. This world is like a corridor before the world to come. Prepare yourself in this world so that you can enter the next world. The next world, you come with your reputation. You come with your Kesar Shemtov, hopefully, which you have made in this life. You come with your Torah. You come with your mitzvahs. You come with your chassid. You don't come with anything else. In fact, you come into this life with your hands clenched. And you leave this life, after 120 years, hopefully, with your hands unclenched. What does that symbolize? The commentators, the Hasidic masters, the Musar movement could talk about how you come into this world, you're trying to grab, grab, grab for me, 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 gratify me, give me, do for me. I want to grab this. I want to take this. I want to acquire this. But only after living life do you realize, open the hands. Nothing comes with you. Nothing can stay with you materialistic wise. You're going to have to leave it all behind. You're going to have to let it all go behind. Even you had the most beautiful estate in all of Europe. 
and all of America and all of Israel, that villa does not come with you. You can't pocket it and take it with you after 120 years. You're buried in the same shrouds as everyone else. You're buried in the same pine box as everyone else. Jewish law stipulates you're supposed to be buried in a plain wooden box in the ground like everyone else with the same burial shrouds that are, I believe, supposed to be white as everybody else in the talus. Because everyone, after 120 years, comes back to Hashem. Yes, your Torah and your mitzvahs, your chesed, your kesed, Hashem Torah might be different, but material-wise, everyone comes back the same way. We come from the earth, we go back to the earth. So why waste our time on this earth doing ridiculousness, wasting ourselves away, losing that freedom, giving it away to society, giving it away to improper use of our time, being slaves to our jobs, slaves to money, slaves to materialism. What better time to wake up and realize... Be a true free person. Think about true freedom. Think about what it means that we became a nation, that we were left away, led away from slavery. Why lead ourselves back to slavery, even if it looks different nowadays, being a slave to your time, a slave to your job, a slave to society, a slave to social media? How many people do I see who are glued to their phones, glued to the TV on the on the Train often, so often I see at least every other person, if not every single person that has their phone out, mindlessly scrolling, mindlessly scrolling, left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down. So mindless, a slave to the technology. How many people actually look up and look around? How many people are actually reading something, not even a book, not even a safer as, as we try to do, you know, Jewish people, Orthodox people around using the time, hopefully we should try, at least strive to do Daf Yomim, Shaimik or something. But are they even reading a book? Are they even looking at those around them? It's like there's a scare. There's a fear of actually interacting with people and looking at people. So everyone takes out their phones if they have five minutes or 50 minutes on the train, on the subway, on the bus. Do an experiment. Look around you. See how many people are comfortable in their own skin being free to be themselves just to look around, enjoy the sights, enjoy the view, enjoy the traveling around us. What did people do before there were phones? You think society fell apart? People are lost to what true freedom means. Pesach teaches us what freedom is. Pesach teaches us to think about freedom and also to think about precautions. Interestingly, Makas Bechoros was different than all other Makos. And this comes from Chabad, I believe. Makos Bechoros was different because it was commanded by Hashem for the Jews to take precautions. Firstly, not to go out. Leil Shemur, we talk about how was the night of guarding, the night of watching. Hashem passed over, hence the name passed over, the houses of the Jews and killed the Bechorot of the non-Jews, Hashem said, don't go out from the opening of your house until morning. That was number one precaution. And secondly, put the blood of the circumcision and of the Pesach sacrifice, Pesach carbon, on the lintel, on the doorposts, and the two doorposts of their homes. Why would they do that? It was maybe a sign for them to understand that Hashem would know, give a which house. But maybe it was more for the Jewish people themselves to understand to take precautions for themselves, to understand for themselves what they should do for themselves. They had to stay in, not go out, and also put up the sign on their doorpost. But why was this Makkah different? Why was this plague different that they had to take precautions? The Talmud and the Medrash tell us that when permission is given to the destroyer, when his rishus is given to the mashchis, he doesn't differentiate between the righteous and the wicked. He doesn't make a, a differentiation, a chalikah, um, any any difference between the righteous, the tzaddik, and the rasha. Because of that, a Jew, a Yehudi, could have also been destroyed and smitten in the plague. 
So why did the destroyer, the Mashkis, have free reign by the death of the firstborn, but not at the first nine plagues to begin with? Well, I have to make the precautions to signs. Why give free reign to such a destroyer? Why did they have to specifically take these two precautions? What are the differences between the first nine Makos, the first nine plagues, and the death of the firstborn, Makos Pachoros, was that the first nine plagues were very specific. Bloods, blood, frogs, lice, etc. There was nothing for the destroyer to do that would be permission, that would be called permission to destroy. By the death of the firstborn, however, the goal was to kill them in any way possible. In any way possible. That is free reign. The Jewish people therefore had to take precautions. Free reign is not good in any account. Free reign on on any aspect of any device of anything in, in your life is not good. There always has to be boundaries. There has to be precautions. You don't want to be that it, you waste away and waste the time and lose out. Free reign is not good. The Jewish people had to take precautions. So too in our own lives. We cannot let the Yetzirah or the evil inclination slave us in. Don't let the evil inclination have free reign against us. Don't let it hold us down. Don't let us shackle us in. Don't let it make us be held as a slave. Make sure to take precautions, set up shields and safeguards against it every day. Make sure to fight against the Eight Sahara. Don't let it slave you to society. Don't let it slave you to your job. Don't let it enslave in you to materialism around you. Don't let it enslave you to social media or to your phone or to your computer at the neglect and the detriment of everyone around you. How sad is it when a wife and a husband go out to eat and they're looking at their phone the whole time? What a waste. What a tragic misuse of a wonderful dinner date that could have happened. What a waste when parents take out their kids and every single one of them are looking at their phone, wasting the family opportunity that could have happened. I actually am a big fan of device-free dinner, which is even seeped into non-Jewish society, even common sense media, has the idea through the initiative of Sesame Street partnering with them to put away the phones for dinner, interact with the people at the table. Of course, Pesach, we can't use the phones on at the Seders and on Shabbos. But in general, during the week, put them away. Hide them. You're not going to lose out by not using them. And Shabbos, of course, in Yom Tov itself, is a beautiful bracha to have that reset, to have that separation from the phone, from the devices, from electricity, just to have normal human interaction with your wife and kids and those around you and friends and family or anyone you may see over the holiday or in shul to make sure to take that proper way. We have the proper precautions. Put away the phone. Put away the device. Have real freedom to interact, real freedom to understand what's truly important in life, to listen to your kid. Say Manishtana, to listen to your kid involved in Shabbos and to talk about the Parsha and to sing and to talk with you. That's true freedom. That's true getting rid of the shackles of society. There's too much instant gratification. There's no delayed gratification. There's the famous test in psychology of the kids in the marshmallow test. They were told the kid, if you want, you can have one marshmallow now. But if you wait a couple of minutes, a little while, we'll let you have two marshmallows. Do you think you could wait? They leave the kid alone for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. The kid can't do it. He needs to eat the marshmallow now. So too, you see people on the train, people on the bus, they just can't do it. They can't go 5, 10, 15 minutes without their phone. They whip out their phone. Even people go through the phone, all their messages, they put the phone down. 
they're like antsy. It's almost ADD, and they have to pick up the phone again, even though there's no new notifications, no messages, no pins, no instas, no ticks, or anything like that. They just have that. They can't delay the gratification. They cannot understand that they're shackled and slaved to their own social media, to their own devices. They are slaves literally to their own technology. Technology and your jobs and everything around you is supposed to help you live a better life, not hinder your life. We're supposed to use everything in our life as a medium to serve Hashem, to better Hashem, to better the world. Are you living to work or working to live? Are you living to eat or eating to live? Are you using social media to better your life? Or your life feels worse without the social media. Are you living to be on social media or does social media help you live? Are you using it as a device to enhance Torah or is it taking away from your Torah? You can only go up or down in life. There's no stagnation. I learned many years ago, especially in Yeshiva. You can go up the escalator, you can go down, but you can't stagnate on it. So you have social media, you have the phone, you can use it for wonderful things. We have a wonderful initiative on WhatsApp, Sparks of Torah. You could join us. We send out bite-sized Torah. That's a wonderful way of using WhatsApp. Meaningful Minute has a wonderful way of being involved also. You can be involved and use social media. As we come to Pesach and we think about the idea of being involved in what true freedom is, we think about what we are a nation that was given chayrus, zaman chayrutin. We think about what real freedom means. What does true freedom mean? Don't be a slave to your job. Don't be a slave to society, to salary, to social media, to things out there. Use things to help yourself, to better yourself. What better time to think of what true freedom really means, what true freedom really is in our life, to really be involved in Torah chesed, involved in our children, of course, work, but how many hours in the day? Of course, be involved in your wife and children. Of course, figure out what to do, but let the Torah, the mitzvahs, the chesed be the primary don't be a slave to things in society. Make it work for you. Make it help better your life and the world around you. And hopefully we can finally be Zoha that Eliyahu and Abi comes this Pesach. And we're able to have Mashiach come this Pesach. And we're able to finally have the third base of Mingdashpin. May it happen today. And may it only be in a good way. This has been the TTP Tani Talks Parsha here where we talk about a Parsha or the Yom Tov with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.